This morning, we are celebrating a risen Lord that He is alive. He's not in a tomb somewhere. He's alive and He reigns forevermore. Jesus says in Revelation 1.18, I am He who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, alive and well. But you know what? He's also here in this place by His Spirit, and He lives inside of every believer. It reminds me of that old song. You ask me how I know He lives? He lives within my heart. Oh, yes, amen. I'm glad some of you helped me. I just wanted to see if anybody else knew that old song. He lives within I know He lives because He lives within my heart. But church, we need to tell the world about this risen Savior. You know, Jesus conquered hell and death. He is a victorious king. He is a conquering king. You see, he rose from the dead as king of kings and lord of lords. When Pilate questioned Jesus before he turned him over to be crucified, he asked Jesus if he was a king. And Jesus said, you are right in saying I'm a king. For this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world. I want you to think about this. Jesus said, for this reason I was born. For what reason? To be our king. Why did he come into this world? To be our king. He came to be our king and to bring a kingdom. His kingdom is where he reigns. When Jesus began his ministry, have you ever really thought about how he started off? Well, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom. That word gospel there, it just simply means good news. In fact, in all the other modern translations, it's translated as good news. But this is good news, that God's kingdom, His reign has come. That's what Jesus came preaching and declaring. He said, it's time. The kingdom is here. The kingdom of God. What is that? It is simply where God reigns. It's where he rules. You know, in the time that we live in, we don't have earthly kings anymore that rule over a kingdom. But we understand that in this time, that was how it was. And God is our king. He, he came Jesus came as a king to bring an earthly, or excuse me, to bring the kingdom of God here on earth in his people. He came preaching the kingdom of God. He declared the reign of God. He didn't come teaching a religion. He came preaching about a kingdom. He came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. That is good news. That's the best news ever, is to have the reign of God to come in our lives. But the gospel summarized the message, the preaching of Jesus this way. He preached the kingdom of God. The good news of the kingdom of God. I mean, if you ask most people, what did Jesus preach? They'll say, 
Well, he preached love and acceptance. Listen, Jesus certainly taught that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the greatest commandment. And the second one is likened to it that you love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to know these are commands of the kingdom. And he taught many other principles of the kingdom, how we are supposed to live. So many of the parables that he shared were, were parables about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. But get this, Jesus' primary message that he came preaching was the kingdom of God. I don't know why it's not that way among his people and among preachers today, but this is what Jesus was focused on. This was the theme of his preaching, that he preached the kingdom of God and repentance. Repentance, well, that's a word that people don't even like to hear today. But it's just because they don't understand that repentance doesn't just mean stop doing bad things. Repentance means to have a change in your attitude, to change your mind, and to go a different direction. And I want you to know that this world doesn't need a religion, even one called Christianity, that doesn't change your life, that doesn't change the course, the direction of your life. We need a life-changing gospel. And that's what Jesus brought the good news of the kingdom of God. And he said, repent and believe. Oh, how we need to believe. You see, if somebody doesn't want to accept the kingdom, it's just because they just don't believe. They don't believe that God would really reign and rule in their life. And just how good it is to have God reigning and ruling in your life. But when King Jesus reigns in your heart, there's peace because he is the prince of peace. The Bible says in Colossians that the, we are to let the peace of God rule in our heart. How wonderful it is to have peace in this crazy world that we live in. You know how you can have peace? You let God reign in your life. So many people in, in our world today, they're sad, they're down, they're depressed. I want you to know that in the kingdom of God, there's righteousness, peace, and joy. Jesus is able to give you a joy. I'm talking about where he reigns. How wonderful it is when Jesus truly reigns in our life. We believe the good news and we make Jesus our king. It changes everything. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. This is not some obscure teaching. This is not just a verse or two. And as always, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today because I, I want us to really get a hold of this, how important the kingdom of God is and how important our conquering king is in our life. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, in what we call the Lord's prayer, he taught us to pray for the kingdom, Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is not just some vain ritual. People have turned it into that. People mindlessly quote the Lord's Prayer. They say it over and over again as though it was some kind of magic mumbo jumbo. Jesus never taught anything that was vain religion. 
If Jesus taught us to pray this way, it is because it is powerful. It is because it means something. What does it mean? We are praying for his kingdom, the reign, the rule of God to come into our lives, to come into our world. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. How is it in heaven? I want to tell you in heaven, there's no sin. In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no strife and conflict. In heaven, we don't have all that trouble and turmoil and problems. We're not under a curse in heaven. There's no disease. There's no death. There's no destruction in heaven. What are we praying for? We're praying for a little heaven on earth. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How wonderful when the kingdom comes in our life. When the kingdom comes in our family. Oh, to have the kingdom come in our church. I want to tell you, people all over the world pray that Lord's Prayer and they don't have a clue about what it means. But I'm telling you, when we see just a little bit of the kingdom come in our life and it brings righteousness, peace, joy, brings healing. How wonderful heaven is. Uh, people have all kinds of crazy ideas about heaven. Some people think you know, they're floating around on a cloud up there or something. Some people think, well, heaven's everything that you ever imagined and want it to be. I don't know where people come up with this stuff. Some people think they're going to get 70 virgins. What kind of special hell is that for the 70 virgins, by the way? People have all kinds of crazy ideas about heaven, but I'm going to tell you about heaven. Here's what the Bible says about heaven. God rules and reigns. In the kingdom of heaven, he reigns absolute. He is king. And we get a little bit of that in our life. You see, when he reigns in our life, I want to tell you it's good. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. You know, even the disciples didn't really understand. They were looking for a physical kingdom. And I think sometimes people today kind of get mixed up about this. They're still looking for a physical kingdom. But there was a time when some of his followers wanted to make him their earthly king. And Jesus withdrew himself from them. That was not why he was here. In Luke 17, 20 and 21, Jesus says, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Where's the kingdom? It's inside you. No, there's not going to be, not now, one day, but not now. There is not a kingdom where you can say, this is the kingdom of God over here. This is the kingdom of God. No, it is within you. It is when we allow Jesus to truly be king in our life, to rule and to reign in our life. It's not a political kingdom. It's not a kingdom that can be established by the strength of man. See, this this kingdom is being established not by physical strength or power, but in the hearts of people. This is what we're praying for when we pray, your kingdom come. This is how the kingdom is advanced in one heart at a time. 
It's when God comes to rule and to reign in somebody's heart. And we need to understand this. That is where the kingdom is. It's inside. The kingdom that we preach, the good news of the kingdom, it's advancing. God uses it to change us from within. You know, Jesus was accused of causing political unrest. When he stood before Pilate, Jesus said in John 18, 36 and 37, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. That's pretty plain, isn't it? If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. There's some people get all mixed up and goofy and carnal and they want to be all militant and they think we're going to bring the kingdom by physical force. Oh, no, no, no. That's the wrong kingdom. That's not Jesus' kingdom. His kingdom in this time that we live in, it comes in the hearts of men. Jesus said if his kingdom was of this world, then his servants would fight. But it's not about that. And Pilate says... Are you a king then? And Jesus says, you, are right, you, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, born to be king, our king. And our king has a kingdom. And where is that kingdom? It's within you. Matthew 4.23. I want you to see what happens when the kingdom is preached. And Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. See, when the kingdom comes, it changes things. In the kingdom, there's no sickness, there's no strife, there's no hate, there's no bitterness. None of those things are part of the kingdom of God and in the perfect will of God. You don't see those things. Matthew 9, 35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Everywhere he went, he preached the kingdom. And everywhere he went, people were healed. He tells us in the gospel of Luke that this is why he came. Luke 4, 42 and 43. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a de deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. I got to go preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus knew why he was here. He had to declare the kingdom of God in every city. And he sent the disciples out with the same message. How is it this is in the Bible over and over and over and over again, and it's not preached and talked about? While preachers and teachers today talk about anything and everything under the sun, and we miss the thing that Jesus talked about everywhere he went. I want you to know that the prince of the power of the air, the enemy of our soul, he doesn't want us to get this. He doesn't want us to understand that Jesus is our king and he reigns and rules in our life. We don't just have some vain, empty religion. We have a living Lord, a conquering king who's alive and well, and he reigns in us. The kingdom is within you. He's real inside of us, and he rules. He reigns. 
Jesus isn't just a little religion you can add to your life. No, he is your king. He sent his disciples out, Luke 9, 2. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Then he sends the 70 out in Luke 10, 9. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. See, sick people need the kingdom of God, the reign, the rule of God. Bound people need to hear about this God who will reign and rule in their life. Stressed out people, worried people, depressed people, they need to hear the good news of the kingdom. We all need this message, the good news of the kingdom of God. Matthew 10, 7 and 8, Jesus says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. How do all these miracles, how's all this happening? Because the kingdom of God has come. The reign, the rule of God. And all of those things are subject to this king. All of those things can be defeated by the power of the name of Jesus, our king. Even after the resurrection, Jesus was still talking about the kingdom. You know, after the resurrection, Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days. And during that 40 days, we have very little given to us about what he talked about and what he said. But here's what the Bible does say in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. He also presented himself alive after his suffering for, by many infallible proofs being seen by them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What did he talk about these last 40 days before he ascended to heaven? Things pertaining to the kingdom of God, the reign, the rule of God. He mentioned, the scripture mentions here many infallible proofs. Well, the biggest infallible proof was that the disciples could see, they could touch his scars. It was an infallible proof that he had died and risen from the dead. You know, he could have risen from the dead with a, in a body without any scars. But he didn't. Because he wanted everybody to know. He wanted everybody to see this infallible proof. And I want you to know this, that all of the eyewitnesses of Jesus, all of the eyewitnesses of Jesus never, ever recanted. Many of them were tortured to death, and none of them would deny what they had seen with their own eyes. A crucified Lord who rose from the dead, a conquering king. You see, he died as the suffering servant, but he rose as the conquering king. Victorious. Amazing to me, during that 40 days, we don't see Jesus talking about a lot of other things. I'm sure they had a lot of conversations. I'm sure there were other things. But I, I tell you what, I don't believe that he talked about 
how that he was rejected and how he was mistreated and how that he never hurt anybody and it wasn't fair what they did to him. I don't think Jesus talked about all of the pain and all of the horror that he went through because Jesus was not a victim. He came out a victor, king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We need to know this, that he really is a living king in our life today. In Philippians 2, 8 through 11, it tells us that he was found in appearance as a man and he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is a conquering king. Every knee. That's wild, isn't it? In heaven, on earth, and under the earth, every knee is going to bow to the name of Jesus and confess that he is Lord. Some people think, well, I guess all that kingdom talk left or went away when Jesus left. No. The apostle Paul talked about the kingdom. I'll just give you a couple of examples. Acts 19 and 8. uh, Paul goes into the synagogue. He spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. You know, one of the things that was Paul's heart's desire was to go to Rome and to share the gospel in Rome. And here it is in Acts 28 and uh, 30 and 31. Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching them the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Preaching the things of the kingdom of God. It's amazing to me how much this is in the Bible and how little it's preached and how little Christians know of it today. Our God wants to reign in our lives and how wonderful it is when we allow him to do that. So what do we do about this kingdom? First, we make Jesus our king. We let him truly reign in our lives. That we submit our hearts to him. And we just say, Lord, let your kingdom come in me. We pray for his kingdom. Jesus said to pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we want His reign in our family. We want His reign in our workplace. We want His reign in our finances. We want His reign in every part of our life. We want Jesus to be king. And so we pray for that. And here's what Jesus says in Luke 12, 32. He says, do not fear, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's not holding back. No. When you pray for the kingdom, it is your Father's good pleasure. He wants to give it to you. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, if we just pray and ask Him to reign, to rule in our, in our lives. Not that we're going to see His kingdom manifest in some physical way, but that He reigns and rules in our lives. He changes our lives. And then we are to seek his kingdom. Jesus said, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? 
I want you to know in this world, people go after all kinds of things. They, they got all kinds of pursuits, all kinds of ambitions, things they're looking for, things they want. This has to be thirst. More than anything, I want the kingdom of God. I want the reign of God in my life. Here's what Jesus says. When you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He says all those other things will be added to you. That's what He said. Anybody believe that? I tell you, if you believe it, it's not hard to seek first the kingdom of God. You seek first His reign, His rule. This is the most important thing that you can go after is to have the reign and rule of God in your life and His righteousness. You see, when we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then we desire, we seek to live for Him, to live the way that would please Him. You know, we're living in a time, in a generation, where there's this philosophy of relative morality. And it goes like this, pretty simply, that whatever is right for you is what's right for you. And that can change in any given situation. You can decide what's right for you. In fact, this philosophy is so predominant as a part of our culture that most Christians uh, don't realize how much it has impacted their own values and their own decision process. In fact, some of you sitting here right now, you're thinking, yeah, that sounds right to me. I'm going to do what I think's right. It's not anything new. It's not because our generation is so enlightened. It's been around an awfully long time. Judges 21 and 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They didn't have an earthly king to set the rules, to make decrees and laws, and so everybody just did what they thought was right. Now, I want to tell you the side story here, though, is that God never wanted them to have an earthly king. He wanted to rule and reign in their lives. And those people in the book of Judges, over and over again, they were oppressed, they were taken over by their enemies, they were enslaved, and then God would send a deliverer, He would get them free, and then it wouldn't be long at all until they were right back in the same situation, and this happened over and over and over. And what a picture it is of a lot of believers today who call out to God for mercy and grace and God gets them out of a situation or gets them free, but it's not long until they're right back in a mess again. And here's the issue. They're doing what they think is right instead of doing what the king says is right. We have a king. They had no king. We have a king. If Jesus is your king, then he rules and reigns in your life. It's not just lip service. It's not just pretty words. It is something that is real to us and something that we live out every day. Jesus is my King. King of kings and Lord of lords. We got a King and He has a kingdom and we are His subjects. He rules and reigns in us. You know, Jesus, when He came preaching the kingdom, the first thing He said, He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And that word repentance, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of times people just see it in a real negative way. But it is about us changing directions. It is about us allowing Jesus to be king in our life. It is about us truly submitting our lives to him and letting him have his way in us. Here's a passage that I think gets talked about pretty frequently, but it's amazing how we just kind of skim over the kingdom. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Who's going to enter the kingdom of heaven? Jesus says it's going to be he who does the will of my Father. I realize that a lot of people don't believe the words of Jesus. They just pick out certain things they like that Jesus says, and the rest of them, they don't believe them. Here's what my Savior said. Many will say, Lord, Lord, but they won't enter the kingdom of heaven because those that enter the kingdom of heaven are those that do the will of my Father in heaven. He goes on, he says, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What's that about? They refuse the king's rule in their life. They refuse to live by the laws, the decrees of the king. They're rejecting not everybody, he says, that's going to, that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom. The king requires repentance. Not just stop doing bad things. Listen to me. What's he talking about? Repentance. We make him king. Not just I stopped this, I stopped that. No, it's that you make him your king. That you submit your life to King Jesus. Jesus' message was not just ask God for forgiveness. Yes, we ask God for forgiveness, but there's more to it than that. It's that you make him king. We have a king. This gospel, I know it's offensive to some people because they don't want anybody telling them what to do. They're going to do it their way. Well, how much better when we do it his way? There's a parable that Jesus told about those who didn't want a king. It's Luke 19. And again, begin from verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said... A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten minas and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. Now there's a parable goes on. He, he rewards those servants according to what they did with what was entrusted to them. But here's the end of the story in verse 27. He says, but bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to, rule, to reign over them and slay them before me. I want you to, to know that Jesus told this parable just so people would understand. Yes, there are going to be lots of people that reject the reign of Jesus in their life. But it's not going to go well for them in eternity. 
He is a conquering king, a victorious king. You know, he is coming back. He's coming back in victory. He's coming back to conquer. People want to know, well, when is that going to be? Nobody knows. Anybody that tells you they know, they got it figured out, they're lying to you. I don't know how long this has been going on, but I've been, I've been serving the Lord, been in ministry for a little over 40 years, and I've been hearing it all 40 years, this one and that, when they know when it's going to be. And they always talk about wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and earthquakes and all this. Oh, now's the time. I heard it in 1978. Now's the time. Oh, it's coming in 84, 89 for sure. They don't know. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Anybody troubled? For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He did tell us. We don't know the day or the hour, but he did tell us when the end would come. It's verse 14 of Matthew 24. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. When's it going to come? After the gospel. What gospel? Not just any gospel. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world, and then the end is going to come. Oh, we got to tell this world about a king who loves them, who wants to be part of their life, who wants to reign and rule in their life, bring his blessing in their life. The first time he came, he came as that suffering servant. But when he comes back, it'll be as a conquering king. I want to read it to you from Revelation 19, 11 through 16. He says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one except himself knew. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. That's going to be a different day. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is coming back, the conquering king, to reign and to rule. Absolute. I want to tell you that's not how most people picture him coming back. But that's what the scripture tells us conquering king he will subdue his enemies and rule over them he will crush all other kingdoms the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ that's what the scripture says but he will return as king and rule over all stand with me
I want our prayer partners to come.